welcome to In Conversation with Siegberg, the podcast adding a little more color to your day. I'm Carla Brown, your host for today's episode. Today, we are going to continue our series on packaging reuse. If you haven't listened to the first episode, please, I encourage you to do so now. I'm joined today by Boris Jepson and Gerald Lemus, who are the CEO and COO of One Less, a company tackling reuse through a very innovative approach with combining both hardware and software, and also by Sarah Ma, who is the Global Sustainability Manager for Zeekback. So welcome back, Sarah, and welcome for the first time, Boris and Gerald. Hi, everybody. Hi, and thank you, Carla. Thank you. Okay, let's start with a little bit more information about your company, One Less. So as I understand it, your company focuses on reducing plastic waste by enabling reuse of items that we know are traditionally single use, for example, cups, plates, etc., at events and shopping centers and other closed spaces. So Boris, can you take me through the life cycle of, for example, a cup that would be used at a trade center or another event, just to illustrate how this system and how your company actually works. Yeah. Well, to make a long story short, as we invented this system, we learned that the traditional systems um, for reuse are still much too complicated, um, especially for B2B areas. And we made some research, talked with a lot of people who are running big events, big, big trade shows and things like this and why they do not use reusable packaging much more often. And then we learned the the biggest obstacle, the biggest hurdle for both sides, the venue owner and also the user, the guest, is uh, the deposit system, Um, that people have to spend too much time um, returning used, soiled items, packaging to get back their deposits, And this makes all things much too complicated. And so we invented a system where this step in the whole circular economy cycle can be negotiated, can be reduced. We do it very simple with technology using RFID tags and sensors and intelligent waste bins. The life cycle is very simple. As usual, you just buy at a point of sale your cup of coffee or your French fries or anything else. You get our one less uh, packaging, one less uh, dishware. You consume this food, be it coffee or something else, um, while you're walking around at the venue. And after you consumed your food, you just throw away your packaging at any bin you see And that's it from your side. I think throwing away something as you see as waste is as simple as possible. Everyone can do this. And that's the point, because the next step is that via our technology, the service crews learn um, what is the status of our bins, because our bins can identify all throw-ins and separate it in two different compartments be it normal waste, and this waste will be, as usual, transported to the waste facility, and all the reusable items, the reusable packaging, like coffee cups or plates and else. So the service crews can just pick up this bag of reusable items, transport it to the catering area, 
There it is handled with industrial washing machines being cleaned and directly after the cleaning process, it's transported back, returned to the point of sale and the whole circle can start again. And that's basically the whole system. It can't be easier to use. So also we have a very low carbon footprint this way because uh, no long distance traveling, no, no, no big transportation and else. It is like it is. We uh, rethought the whole idea of reusable packaging in the way that we make it even more easy to use. Okay, that's so you're responding to, as you said, to a need that was identified. Yeah, definitely, and, because from yeah. my background, I'm running um, big conferences for more than 10 years now. I invented one of the biggest tech conferences in the world for software developers. It's located in more than 20 different countries on five continents. And this way, over the last 10 years, I learned how unsustainable this business events and, and the logistics around traveling hotels and else is. And I had the urge to change this and to make these events still happening, but in on a more sustainable way. Mm, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So let's talk about Zeekwerk's involvement in this. Especially in the event space, there is obviously an opportunity to brand these items, but there are challenges associated with reuse if these items are branded. So, Sarah, can you talk a bit about the kind of benefits of, for example, the inking and re-inking, which is where Zeekwerk comes in, in this context? Thanks, Carla. Yeah, so one limitation that we see for current B2C reuse models is the availability of variable branding. Right now, I'm seeing electronic ink options on the market, but these can be expensive and they have their own limitations. Or there's labels. You can label reusable packaging systems. But here you've also added new material or more material that is single use into the system. So the ideal scenario is to minimize waste, but still enable the individuality or this marketing channel on this product or packed good. I was looking and according to the Development Bank of Canada, B2B companies, they allocate around two to 5% of their revenue to marketing and B2C allocate five to 10% of their revenue to marketing. So it's a huge amount of money that's on the table with respect to maintaining and pushing the individuality of the product and the brand in the packaging system. And so to answer your question about where, with respect to One Less and their system and where printing and de-inking could be interesting is when you think about the option or opportunity to maybe do a direct-to-object print onto a reusable pack system, you're not bringing more material into the system, but you're still maintaining that ability to market and to have that individualization. And so, for example, with trade shows, this could open up an opportunity for sponsorship or marketing of different events. And then on the other side, if we think about de-inking, so non-destruct de-inking on a reusable pack system, then we're also enabling multiple brands to be printed or multiple different anything, designs or marketing schemes to be printed on the packed good on one single system. So you don't have to have thousands and thousands of SKUs. So you can maintain a level of standardization. And maybe as we had discussed last time or 
those may already know, standardization is key to cost efficiency within reuse. It, it enables minimizing costs in transportation and cleaning and sorting and in storing. So this idea of a variable ink system on a standardized pack is really interesting when it comes to talking about cost efficiency and scalability for reuse in general, but also specifically could be really interesting for one less. Right. And that has economic benefits, obviously, if you get sponsorship involved, et cetera, at events. Absolutely. Fantastic. And let's get back to something Boris was referring to in the first uh, response. Gerald, most reuse systems use a deposit and or reward system to kind of incentivize the return of the packaging after use. But your model doesn't work this way. So can you explain why not and then what you're doing as an alternative to this? Yes, thanks, Carla. Yeah, it's a very exciting part of the whole concept. Uh, Essentially, why don't we use this deposit system? A deposit system means you've got to engage in multiple levels with the consumer. And that means, for example, the consumer has to make a deposit, pick up the food that they've bought within the packaging uh, on the plates. And then when they're finished, they have to return it to a specific point and also engage again with staff members of the vendor to get their deposits. So what does that mean? Especially in COVID times, for example, the more interaction that staff members and consumers have with one another, the more challenges uh, may come to pass. So on that front, it makes a lot of sense to have a system which uh, cuts down on the number of interactions between staff and uh, the consumer. The other element, and that's also very important, is the fact that when you do a de- have a deposit scheme, you engage a whole, let's say, world of transactions where the vendor has to get the deposit in, then pay the deposit out, And all of this, especially for very small sums, means that the value of the whole operation is, let's say, challenged in the sense that it doesn't work that well because people have to stand in queues, people have to give their plates or cups back at specific places and the likes. So what we've done from our side is looked at how can we make the cutlery and the dishware that we have smart in the sense that we can solve the circular system by not having to have a deposit system. And what we've done is basically, yeah, upgraded, if you will, the dishware by with having these RFID tags. And this is connected to the bins, the smart bins we have. And essentially, we can thereby close the cycle and the circle without the consumer having to change their habits at all and without the staff or the vendor having to have uh, many interactions with the consumer. That's about it. Brilliant. And I assume that requires a lot of infrastructure too. So let's talk about this infrastructure. And obviously there is a lot to consider in terms of collection, storage, cleaning, refilling, And one less is targeting closed environments like events and shopping centers. So what is the biggest challenge in terms of scaling this system, given the complexities to consider? So Boris, can you tell me more about that? 
Well, I think the secret of the success of uh, to implementing this system um, in each and every B2B area is from the start a deep, good conversation, communication with our customers because the needs for our different kind of customers are also different. As we approach airports and shopping malls and entertainment parks and trade fairs, they all have their individual needs and infrastructure. So we will analyze together with our clients this existing infrastructure to integrate our system in the most efficient way so that we get the highest impact of enabling this area for the first time with a true working circular economy system. For example, that they have probably different waste management systems. Probably one client has his own crew that cares for the waste management. Other clients will probably operate with external service teams that do this. And we have to adopt our system to each and every individual need to have a maximum impact. Because in the end, it's about this. We invented this because we want to have as soon as possible the biggest impact possible to reduce the plastic waste around the world. And the most amount of plastic waste we learned is produced in these huge areas where hundreds of thousands of people meet and consume. And so we have to adopt this system in a perfect way to these different areas and customers. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you're addressing a, an area that I think is maybe overlooked a lot, which I think is very important. And another area that's obviously very important is to be able to really get the B2C reuse models working and working well. So I would like to ask each of you, maybe starting with Boris, what is the one learning from this system and from what you've invented and from what you've experienced so far that you think could be applied to B2C reuse models to really improve them or make them work properly? Well, I think in the end, it's the simplicity of our system. And I have the, the strong belief that most of the people out there, they would love to be more sustainable in their daily habits. But the devil lies often in the detail. Um, if the hurdles to be sustainable, to do good for the environment are too big, then many people just decide, okay, probably tomorrow, but now not today because I have no time. It costs too much. So in the end, we have to lower these hurdles to help the people um, being sustainable and feeling good. Because in the end, we all know the message. Um, one year ago, for example, scientists discovered that we have um, microplastic even already in the human placenta. So we are nurturing our future generations, even the unborn generation, with microplastic that is produced by all these tons of plastic we throw in the oceans and in the rivers. And we have to stop this now. And so we have to help the people that uh, produce and consume um, these items, these packaging, um, to be sustainable and this way to change the world and to protect our future generations. 
Absolutely. I think it's often a problem that people feel too overwhelmed to act. So as you said, simplifying is and actually supporting them that way is very important. Absolutely agreed, uh, Carla. Um, It's about all, one less is all about simplicity via technology. We believe that technology um, at all is not bad. If you use it in the right way, it can help to solve the problems of the future. Mm, Yeah. I mean, we obviously live in terrible times in terms of the plastic waste crisis and climate change, but we also live in exciting times because we have digital tools that can do what we couldn't do before. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Gerald, do you have maybe one learning that you could apply or that you yes, think could apply to? Yes, very much so, Carla. Thank you. I think what it dovetails very well with what you've just said and Boris before then. Um, if we look at the digital side of things, what's very important is with the smart dishware we have and the bins, what we can do is track every single item and register every single item of dishware that is used and how often it is used. I'll just give you an example of why this could be interesting and why this is very interesting, especially if we look at the ESG requirements for larger corporations and the likes, the environmental social governance side. What we can do, we have then ledgers of every single uh, item that's being used a reusable item. So we know for a specific cup, that cup has its own identity. We know that it's been used 376 times over the past four months, for example. And if you put all of that together at the end of the year, we can, for example, offer the large and small companies a balance sheet where they can see actually exactly how many items of plastic have been saved by every one less transaction. And that is an excellent way of actually showing and proving that there is a clear and impactful reduction uh, on the environment and in essence also increasing the value of the brand of our vendors because they offer something which offers clarity and also we can quantify it so the customer can feel very positive about it. So that's the other side of the coin too. It's it's not just about incentivizing and supporting consumers. It's about actually showing the value and creating that support from the actual companies and from the business Very much side. so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then lastly, same question to you, Sarah. What is the one learning you'd like to highlight? Thanks, Carla. I think not too differing from what Boris was saying, but minimal disruption. So I think... One hurdle that a lot of reuse systems are seeing right now is that there's a lot of fundamental changes that are required to enable these systems um, to move to scale. And um, I think when we really want something to move into the mainstream, it needs to provide, a reusable system needs to provide not only at least the same amount, but even perhaps more performance than the current offering or the single-use offering. So in this instance, that could mean flexibility for marketing and branding for brands within the supply chain or for the the end consumer and um, not having to go deeply out of their way (laughs) to return any reusable packaging or tableware. So not a fundamental shift in behavioral patterns. And I think that's pretty key for a lot of reuse models because to maintain the economic and environmental benefits of reuse over single use, 
you need the reusable tableware or packaging to stay in circulation for as long as possible. And so reduce any hurdles or barriers to ensure that there is that long lifetime and many, many use cycles for reusable packaging or tableware is easy and appealing to stay in circulation. Yeah, I mean, that's true. We're all, I think as much as we all have good intentions, it's very difficult to overcome human nature for and the quest for convenience. So as you said, we need to make it as convenient as possible. So I think there's a lot of challenges, obviously, but I think this is very exciting and we are ending on a hopeful note because I think there's a lot of exciting stuff to come and a lot of potential for this. But that's all we have time for today. So I would like to thank you so much, my guests, Boris, Gerald and Sarah. It was really lovely having you on this episode. Thanks so much, Carla. Thank you, Thank you very much. It was really a pleasure to share our thoughts with your audience. And if there are any questions left, just contact us. We were happy to answer all open questions or just to talk with each and every one who wants to help us in, in changing this world, be it an industry partner like Siegwerk, um, a, a future customer, or even a normal user. We're open to anyone. Probably they can give in new ideas to us for even improving our system and making this even more effective. Fantastic. So I encourage anyone to reach out if you're interested. And thank you as always to our listeners. We hope you have a great day and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.